The message I'm going to preach today uh, is a preliminary to how we're going to finish our gathering tonight, and that is uh, coming together and receiving communion, the Lord's Supper. That's how we're going to complete the service, but I don't believe for some of you it'll be like you've ever received it before. I don't believe it will be the same. Uh, for me, it's some things that the Lord has shown me and things that I've studied and sought after. Um, it really interests me. Uh, my history when it comes to the Supper of the Lord is kind of unique. I mean, I think when I grew up, it was something that we did on New Year's Eve, the Supper of the Lord, maybe on a Christmas season or something. But uh, we had it. We had a little communion table, didn't always use it that often. But then there were others that I knew that, what do you mean you don't take communion every Sunday? You know, that you don't do it regularly. And uh, I found that, I found a love for the Supper of the Lord. I've developed it over the years, just a real love to receive the bread and to receive the cup. I've just developed a love for it personally. Uh, I, I have found people that have loved it so dearly. I uh, have... You know, Sister Karen Carr has been really sick. I want you to just keep praying for Karen. Amen? Uh, and be in prayer for her. She's not strong enough to be in the house right now. Uh, she's not in the hospital. She is at her home. But uh, I want you to pray for Karen. Uh, but uh, we'll talk on the phone. You know, this past week she called me. Come on, Pastor. Could you come on over? Could we receive communion together? So I went to her house. Diane and I went. And we sat in the back room there. And we... We receive the bread, we receive the cup, and we talked about the power and the presence of Almighty God. I, I want to somewhat from that. I, here's what I'm finding out. I find that people really need God in their lives. This is what I find. I believe that, I believe that the absence of God's presence in your life is it's just something that, that's frightening to me. I, I mean, where can I go? I just need I, I need you, Lord. Anybody with me on this? I just need God. I, I need him in my life. But, but there, there's some deeper understanding that I want us to embrace in talking tonight about God's Thanksgiving meal from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. In fact, let me just go ahead and let's read 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26. Let's read that entire uh, verse together. This is from the Apostle Paul. Uh, this is, a, this is a weird chapter. I mean, this 1 Corinthians 10, 11, just weird, weird to read. If, if you're not going to be a student of the word, you're going to struggle even reading it. If you, if you don't want to know context, if you don't know where, if you want to know who's, being, who's this being said to and when they're saying it and, and why they're saying it, if you don't get that, you, you can struggle in the scripture. You could walk away thinking that if women don't walk in the house with their head covered, then they're just, what's up with them, you know? But uh, it's just... It's just a, it's a thick scripture, and it's about, a part of it is about the coming together as the church, but it's also about the church getting this right. So right in the middle of it, there's this switch where Paul says, uh, I, for, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. I received from the Lord. So what he's about to say, he sets it up this way, for I received this from the Lord. The Lord taught me this. This is something from the Lord. And I've passed this on to you, and, and we find and the rest of this, that the context of the first church was regularly receiving the supper of the Lord. I'll show you that in a moment, but let's look at the scripture. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, 
He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, come into this room by your spirit. Lord, as we pursue your word and a depth of your word that perhaps some of us have not received, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, tenderize our hearts, take every thought captive, things perhaps that we have believed that are faulty, let them be shifted, Father. Let us not try to be so religious that we lose your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, be in this place. Be in this place as we receive your word in the name of Christ. Amen. So, Thanksgiving. Anybody ready for Thanksgiving? Anybody plan to have some turkey at Memo's house? Anybody? Anybody got a grandma still that you go to their house for Thanksgiving? Can I get an amen? Nobody? All right, so, yep, yep, there we go. Got a few of those. So, for me, you know, our, our, we are the grandparents now. So, the house that, that, I used, that I still live in is no longer my house. It's Mimi's house now, all right, which... Diana, you know, is Mimi. We have a couple of grandchildren, so it's Mimi's house. Avalyn lets me know this. Our granddaughter, she tells us regularly, you know, I'm going to go to Mimi's house, Mimi's house. I don't have a problem with that. It's Mimi's house, all right? It is. I think it's beautiful. But I can remember going to grandmother's house, my memo, memo Hawker's house, and we had uh, some specialties. Uh, uh, dumplings was one of the things that we had. We always had... Uh, we always had turkey and all those other fixings and things, but we, there were always these dumplings, and somehow they were so thick and so rich and so carby. I mean, Matt, I would have to go to Fit Church like every day for a week in order to survive Memo's dumplings. I, I survived. I, I'm still around. Uh, and so anybody have a tradition of what you eat on Thanksgiving? Anybody got one of those traditions? So if you know Diane and I, you know what our tradition is, right? Sweet potato casserole, baby. Ain't nothing like it. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to praise God for sweet potato casserole. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, so when I talk about the Thanksgiving meal, and, and since I'm saying that, anybody, are you thankful that you live in the United States? Anybody thankful? So we are grateful for the blessing of this land uh, we need to pray for our leaders. Can I get a yes about that? We need to pray for all of them. I don't care what your politics are. We need to pray for every last one of those guys and gals. Amen. We need to pray for them. God would just open their hearts that they would seek the Lord first with all of their hearts because you're not going to be able to rule a nation without seeking God. Amen. Amen. I, heard, I heard a candidate the other day talking about how we need to get all these religious people under control and, and all of this. And I was thinking, what? what are you talking about, brother? You know, and, uh, and, and so I'm concerned. I'm concerned about what happens next in our culture. But we need to pray. We need to pray about what's going on in Congress. We need to pray about it. Don't worry about it. Pray about it. Yes? Pray about it and pray for them. You say, well, I don't like them. I'm not going to pray for them. You should really pray for people that you don't like. You really, that would, that would be an advancement in our lives. Uh, so, so Thanksgiving is coming up, and so we have this, 
this uh, idea that I'm going to eat and it's going to be fantastic. Does anybody eat on Thanksgiving until you hurt? Can I get an amen regarding that? Eat until I hurt. So uh, I plan to. It will happen in my life. Uh, but when I talk about the supper of the Lord and I pass out those little cups and wafers and I say, come on, we're going to have the supper of the Lord. It's not like... Oh, yay, I've got a wafer. <laughs> Look, it looks like somebody cut up a styrofoam plate and passed it out to everyone. Or, or that juice. You know, I, I saw Joe this morning. He was, uh, Joe Lindsay, and he was shaking his up. And I thought, I never really thought to shake that up. You know, I, I never have received the supper of the Lord because I thought, now this is going to be like sweet potato casserole. I've never done that before. Uh, however, uh, I want you to have a right understanding of the meal of the Lord tonight. I want you to have a right understanding. I, it is my hope that in your understanding of the meal of the Lord, that as we move into the future, you will look for it, hopefully. You will look for it expectantly. And, and I say, hey, we're going to receive the supper of the Lord. And I get some, yeah, come on, let's receive the supper of the Lord. I, I would like to see just a shift in that, and I believe that if we understood it and we apply what the Word of God says about it to our lives, we would, re- we would eat it expectingly, not eat it expecting to hurt, but eat it, eat it expecting to be whole. Eat the supper of the Lord expecting to be healed. Receive it expecting miracles in our life. Do you want this? Anybody want this? Anybody want it? So... Um, Let's just talk practically about the meal of the Lord. Here's a few things that you should know about it. The meal of Thanksgiving, the meal of the Lord is a meal of contemplation, identification, declaration, expectation, examination. Those are not points that I'm going to preach on, but I want you to understand that it is a meal of contemplation. When I receive it, here's my understanding. I understand that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. Anybody thankful for that? He didn't come looking for perfect folks. He came looking for us. He came looking for broken, wounded, messed up people. So when that, that's my, that's, I contemplate, not, not, not only are we to remember what Jesus has done, but to, we are to contemplate what a sacrifice means to us. And then identification uh, that, 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 you know, and the Bible reminds us that everybody who knows him, we are not to be ashamed of him. Uh, We're not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. I received the supper of the Lord. I don't know if you get this, but uh, the world may call us fools. They may say that we're ridiculous for putting our trust in in God. But when I receive the supper of the Lord, I identify as a believer in the Lord Jesus. I identify in that supper, in that moment, I say, I am who God says I am. I identify with the cross and the resurrection, I identify with that. So you say that. Are you somebody that receives the supper of the Lord? Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> I receive the supper of the Lord. Yes, it's something that's a part of my life. I regularly want to receive a supper. You are now identifying. But it's also a declaration. The verse, uh, the, the, the scripture reminds us that we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We are declaring his death and resurrection not only for ourselves, but until he comes. In other words, I am celebrating, I am declaring the truth of God's word to future generations. You know, you're there with your kids, you're there with others, and you say, we're going to receive the supper. What is that? Well, I want you to know about the death. I want you to know what the blood of Christ means. I want you to know what his brokenness means. I want 
future generations to know uh, who Jesus is. Uh, I want them to know that, are you ready for this? This is the declaration that Jesus is the only way. Did you hear me? Jesus is not a way of salvation. He is the only way. You say, how can you say that? Well, I'll tell you this, because there are no other religions that provide a path of salvation. It's been studied over and over and over again. You say, well, I really like those Hindu folks. Well, you know, if you like temples full of rats, more power to you, but... Uh, I'm not into worshiping everything. I'm not worshiping elephants. I'm not worshiping rats. I'm not, I'm not worshiping cows. I'm not doing that. And a cow will not save you. Might give you good milk. Might make a good hamburger. But it will not save you. All right? There is no method uh, in Buddhism. There's, there's no method in any other religion to be redeemed only through Jesus Christ. When I receive that supper, I am making that declaration. I do not drink the cup as a, as a way, but as the way. It's also a meal of expectation, which I love. I'm receiving the supper in that I believe that my sins have been washed away. And my expectation is this. Not only am I going to, is, is, is God going to live through me, but also one day Jesus is going to come back and receive me. So uh, I, that means I, I'm not afraid to die. Anybody got that? Death has no power over us anymore. It's a good place like to clap your hands. I'm not afraid of death because I am alive. All right? Jesus said this. You've heard me preach this before. Jesus said, if you believe in me, even if you're dead, you're still alive. And then it's, a, it's also a meal of examination. It's a time of spiritual and self-examination, it's reflection. So, and I'll get to that as we conclude this message that, you know, the scripture says, let a man ex examine himself and confess our sins and right our wrongs. Uh, it is, in fact, communion should be a reset button. Yeah. Anybody get that? Anybody ever had to, you know, I've called before, like called Keith before, so, man, something's wrong with my computer, and he always says, well, why not turn it on and off one time? Just reboot. Communion is a reboot of our spiritual lives. So I'm, I really, I've only got two things, two points that I want to make that I want to drive home to you. You've got this uh, in your notes and you can fill it in. Here's the first thing I want to say about the Supper of the Lord, also known as communion. Receiving the Lord's Supper is to touch Jesus. Okay, that shifted already. Receiving... The Lord's Supper is to touch Jesus. I mean, if, if Jesus, if I told you now next Sunday, Jesus called, said he's going to be here in bodily form. He'll be standing right here in the front. How many would show up? Yeah, baby. And how many would want to get here early for a good seat? Anybody want a good seat? And how many would not mind well, giving him a hug. Anybody want to give him a hug? But what if there was too big of a crowd? Would you, like, would you take like a reach around the crowd and just touch him on the shoulder? Would you do that? 
How many, if there were too many people there, would you climb underneath their feet and just touch his feet? Anybody want to do that? Because I'm all over that. I'm all over that. I'd be crawling. I might even be, look, excuse me, excuse me. I might even forego all of that and just climb over the crowd. Okay, just, what, where's Pastor Rick? He's climbing over people, you know. My foot might step on your head, but I'm going to touch Jesus. But why you want to touch Jesus? I mean, I, not that I'm begging for his autograph. My anticipation is that if I touch Jesus, something's going to happen in my life. How many would believe that? You believe that if you touch Jesus, and I'll give you some, some practical understanding of that. Now, first of all, I want to tell you this, Romans 10, 17, I think I might have put that in your notes, but how many have heard the scripture? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let me give you another translation. Faith comes when you hear and act upon the word of God. Okay, hear and act upon the word of God. So faith is doing God's word. You say, well, I got a lot of faith. Well, show me your actions. Well, I just have faith. It's in my heart. Well, if you ain't doing nothing, that's not faith. Faith is acting on the word of God. Well, I have faith. You know, some people say, I have faith. I believe, I believe. What are you going to do about your belief? I really believe that God wants to save the world. So have you shared Jesus with anybody? No. Okay, but you know, there's like this scripture that says we're supposed to go in the world and you know, preach the gospel to everybody. Do it, not, not doing that. So we're upset in the church sometimes about all the people that don't know Jesus yet. Okay, I, people are feeling shame and guilt. That's not what my intention is. It's that little conviction just should go off in our hearts. It's like, man, I have faith that my family's going to serve Jesus. Have you prayed with your family? No, we don't pray at my house. Okay, you need to act on your faith. Is that, that's good preaching, Pastor Rick. So just shake your head up and down and say yes or amen or something. Amen. I'm going to preach anyway. So look at some of the words of Jesus. Uh, and and that, this is what I want you to do. I want you to receive the word, and I want us to activate our faith after we've received the word. I want us to activate our faith by receiving the supper of the Lord. That is my process. I'm very clear about it. So I want you to receive the word, and after we've received the word, I want you to act on that word by receiving the supper of the Lord. Does this sound good to anybody? Seems pretty simple to me. So here's some of the words of Christ. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. That's a weird statement. Luke 6, 35. Isn't that a weird statement? He says, again, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Why? Because Jesus is the bread of life. It should come up there sometime. I don't know. The computer may be glitched or something. I don't know. But Harvey will figure it out because he's the tech tonight. So, uh, and it's also, the scriptures are also in your notes. So, uh, no, Luke, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. There we go. John 6, 35. We found it. Let's look at it again. Read it again. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, that scripture would be fine, but just go a few more statements down. A paragraph below this, Jesus continues to talk. Then Jesus said to them, it's going to get weird. Most assuredly, absolutely, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You want to underline no life in you? 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, there's a scripture we don't have the children memorize in kids' church. There's one we don't. I mean, it, it just seems it's too thick. It's too deep. What are you talking about? Hey, hey, mom, guess what? All those Christians are vampires and cannibals. They're, it sounds like something that should be in an episode of The Walking Dead, right? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood <laughs> kind of has that strange sound to it, doesn't it? So, so, so if you know the story here, you also know that people took it in a peculiar way. And some people said, well, you know, it was kind of good hanging with Jesus, but we'll see you now. Don't want to hang out. So hundreds of disciples left, and Jesus looked at his own, his, his 12, and he said, hey, guys, will you leave me too? Are you going to leave like the rest of them? And they said, no, Lord, we can't leave you because you have the words of life. There's nobody else that has the words that you speak. So if, if you're struggling with this scripture, let me help you have a better understand because uh, the, the scripture has a lot to say about the blood. Back in Leviticus, regarding uh, the sacrifice, there's a scripture in Leviticus that says that there is life in the blood. Anybody ever heard that? There's life in the blood. And out of that, we know that there's a great deal of discussion about sacrifice and that people need to have life. And as the, sacri- as the, as the blood is spilled, uh, life shows up for others. So we know that that's true. Uh, but in effect, what we're understanding when we receive communion is that we are experiencing the death and sacrifice of our Lord and, our Lord and Savior Jesus. In effect, we are eating his flesh and drinking his blood, not in a physical way. You said, but it sounds physical. So you now sound like Nicodemus. Anybody remember Nicodemus in uh, John chapter 3? He came to Jesus and he said, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said this, he said, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. How many does that sound strange? I mean, if you just heard that for the first time and it wasn't part of your Christian lingo, he says, unless you are born again. And so Nicodemus responds like we might have in that context. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? I don't get that. And the whole idea of climbing back into my mama just sounds like I don't think I want to be a part of this discussion. And Jesus said, he said, assuredly, certainly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Clearly, here it goes. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said you must be born again. In other words, don't be confused. Don't, don't let this be over your head. This is, not, this is not weird. What I'm saying to you is I want you to have a spiritual birth. So now we are born again by the Spirit. We've been born of the flesh. Now we're born of the Spirit. So when we hear the Lord Jesus talking about the Supper of the Lord, here's the intent. When we receive His Supper, we are receiving His life. When we receive his supper, we are receiving the life of Christ. I ask you about what, why you would want to touch him. You see, how many believe that his life is love? Anybody believe that? 
His life is love. So we are being filled with his love. His life is filled with health. Anybody believe that? So we're being filled with healing, with health, with strength. His life is filled with grace. His life is filled with mercy. His life is filled with blessing. His life is filled with power. So when I partake of his flesh, when I take partake of his supper, I am being filled with the life of Jesus. Whatever is in him, I want to come inside of me. I know this is thick. Hang with me. When the blood of Jesus was shed... God's life became available to us. How many know we needed the blood of Jesus? We need the life of the Lord Jesus. So his blood washes away our sins. So our sins are removed as we are receiving the cup. As we're receiving that part of the supper, uh, I receive the blood of Christ. And there is life in his blood. My sins are removed. Christ comes into my life. It is no longer I who live but Christ, according to Galatians 2 and 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me so what are you saying pastor here's what I'm saying Christianity is not so much me living for God as it is God living life through me so I'm receiving him. I'm receiving his flesh. I'm receiving his power. I'm receiving his goodness. What I want is for Christ to come inside of my life and to impact the world through me. You see, when Christ walked on the earth, power literally came through his flesh and through his blood. I mean, the, the, the limits came off. I believe that there's healing and deliverance and freedom when people touch the Lord. Anybody else believe that? Has anybody ever felt, if I could just touch Jesus, if I could just... And, and, and listen, I believe that if we could spiritually begin to see the supper of the Lord differently, if we could see communion differently, when we received it, we would begin to realize we're not supposed to remember our sickness so much as his power and his healing. We're not supposed to focus on our sin so much as his forgiveness. We overcome our sin. We overcome our pain. We overcome our hurts when we remember what he did on the cross. We're not to focus on our failures. We're to focus on his power. We're, we're to focus on the reality that what he did outdid whatever I have done. And when I receive communion, I'm activating the power of God in my life. And, and this might be a struggle. In Luke 6, 19, remember this? I taught this last week. Remember after Christ taught, then he comes down to a level place and the people gathered around him and the whole multitude sought, what's it say? They sought to what? To touch him. The multitude sought to touch him. And for power went out from him and healed them all. Where did the power come from? From within Christ. Now, here's another illustration similar to that in Matthew chapter 9. You probably know the story. There is a woman who has uh, hemorrhaging. She has been bleeding for 12 years. She's hemorrhaging constantly. She's went to all the physicians she's known. She has spent everything that she has to spend in order to get well, and yet she has not been made whole. But she had this idea that if she could just touch the hem of his garment. She said to herself, if, I may, if, I, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. And this is a peculiar statement. If you know the story, 
she actually broke through the crowd that was all around him and reached up and touched the hem of his garment, and she was healed. And Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? What do you mean, Lord? There's a crowd around you. He said, no, somebody touched me. I felt virtue. I felt goodness come out of me. And the woman is now healed, and she comes and gives praise to the Lord. As she had touched him, she was healed. Now, now you might say, well, that's just a cute idea. You know, this lady's crazy. Now, faith activated, but faith came from the word of God. And here's the word. It's Malachi 4 and 2. It is, it is a prophecy. You have to understand that she was probably a student of the prophets, of the law and of the prophets. And Malachi 4 and 2 says this about the Messiah, about Yeshua, about the Son of Righteousness. For, but to you, fear my name. The son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Now, if you do a word study here, you find out that the word wings is also translated the hem of garments, the hem. So the Messiah, one of the prophetic utterances about him is that healing would come in his wings. So she latched on to this word and she breaks through the crowd and she touches the hem of the garments of Jesus. And as she touches the hem of his garments, faith activating in her life, she is completely healed in her body. She practically believed that God's word was true. And she knew she had touched him because something flowed out of him. Someone had touched him with their faith and his body responded with power. The supper of the Lord is the church constantly receiving Christ and activating his power. I'm thinking of the hem of his garment. The hem, why would the scripture even say his wings or his hem? Because here's the understanding. The dirtiest part of your clothing is the hem of your garments. Why would that be? Okay, I don't want to get really disgusting here, but if it works, fine, okay? I hope that before you leave the bathroom, you always wash your hands, okay? But don't wipe your mouth on the hem of your garments, You've walked different places. You've been at other places. The dirt and everything just kind of jumps up on the hem of your garments. But here's what's being said. What's being said is what you would consider the dirtiest part of the garments of the Lord Jesus are still more powerful than your sickness and your disease. Anybody want to praise God for that? So that, yeah, yeah. For that... That which you would not even consider touching, touch it and be healed. And so she reaches and touches it and finds healing. So the woman was the benefactor. What she really did was plug into the power by faith and in touching Jesus. So here's what I'm saying. I want the flesh. I want the blood. Anybody with me? I know. I'm not, you know, I'm not into transubstantation. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I don't believe, I'm, I'm not a great Catholic. So what I'm saying is I don't believe that it literally becomes the flesh and literally becomes the blood. What I believe is in the same way that I'm born again, that something spiritual takes place. And as I receive the supper of the Lord, what's happening in my body is I'm receiving the life, I'm receiving the power of the Lord Jesus into myself. Anybody ever had like an appliance or something and you knew it should not be broken but it would not work and you thought, I'm just going to mail this bad boy back. I hope I still got that box from Amazon because it is going back. 
And then you just keep trying. You're flipping switches, and finally you look and notice that it's unplugged. Come on. How many know? I mean, the number of calls probably that have been made, right, to a technician, and they come and say, well, maybe I'll just plug this bad boy in, you know. And I'm saying to you in, in, in context, I'm saying maybe part of our issues is we just don't get plugged in. we got to read this Bible and actually take it for itself. I want the life. I want the flesh. I want the blood of Jesus Christ to manifest in my life. And so whenever I can, I'm going to plug in. And receiving this supper is plugging in. Now, there's several ways of the power. The power of God is readily available to us. There's several ways. One is speaking God's word. How many know speaking God's word makes a difference? Anybody know that? Speaking God's word. Get the word of God inside of you. Speak the word of God. You know, I'm still wearing my bracelet from this past summer. Anybody else? We still got, we got new ones back there. We got new ones. I've given so many away, so many away, and I've worn some out myself. And, uh, but, but it's the word of God. How many believe there's, there's power in this word? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How many believe there's power in that? Anybody believe that? The Lord your God is where? He is with you. How many have ever been fearful and you just need to know, look, God is with me. He's going to get me through this. Anybody needed that? And so you, you, you state that. You begin to declare it. There's power in it. But in the word of God, there's other things. You know, like... Um, if you lay hands on people that are in need, people that are sick, uh, they can recover. Have, have you ever read that in the Bible? Anybody read that? And it's like we read it, but then, you know, I get altar workers up here, and we got, like, oil, and we're going to anoint them. It's like, I just don't. I really need to get out of this place, like, right now. And what I'm saying to you is God's word is true. I think if I take that word by faith and I just go and I say, wait, wait, I'm going to trust God. Is there anybody in this room that has ever had prayer for them and you've experienced healing in your life? Is there anybody besides me? All right. Because I've experienced that in my own life. So that's plugging in. But what I'm saying is like praying for people, like speaking God's word, I believe correctly received the supper of the Lord, there is power. So I want you to expect today that you're going to plug in. I want, you, I, I want us to electrocute fear. I want us to electrocute sickness. I want us to electrocute depression. And I want to anticipate that God is going to do great things. Amen? Listen, nobody plugs in their own coffee pot and then heads to Starbucks. We don't do that. Okay? What I'm saying is, is the right here is the power of God. Let's expect tonight that God will manifest himself in our lives and bring healing and deliverance. I love, anybody thank God for the cross? And the cross is the power of God and communion is a proclamation of the good news in 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Here's, here's what I'm telling you, all right? I'm trying to work with this because, I mean, we've just been chewing on a wafer and sucking a little grape juice and getting on out the door. And I'm saying we have, we have unplugged the power of God. We've unplugged ourselves from it. And, that, and, and it's, how many believe in the cross? Anybody believe in the cross? Because he says, I want you to do this remembering 
I want you to do this, not as a memorial, not with weeping and grieving. I want you to know I did this for you, so I want you to do this. I want you to do this and remember that that I came and I broke the chains of, 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 of pain. I, I broke the chains of sin. I, I broke the power of Satan. I gave you that authority. But, but this message is either power or it's foolishness. Did you hear me? So like, yeah, I believe in the cross. I, I have one in my house. It's over there. It's pretty. I've seen some pretty amazing crosses in my life. Some powerful architecture, some artwork. I've seen some, and I like it. I like having a cross. I, I don't know if you've ever looked at these old doors that are over here that I've never changed. They're old colonial doors. If you look, there are four crosses right there. There's four. And if you, you look back there on those doors, they're just old doors, and that's the way they were made. They were made with crosses in them. I think that's kind of cool. Anybody else? I, I think it's kind of special. There, oh, by the way, there's a cross hanging behind me. Have you ever seen that cross back there? And, and uh, if you've ever come to Living Waters or you, you know, different activities we've had, we'll take crosses. Uh, there's a cross in that back room just in case we ever want to put it up and focus on the cross. And some people say, why are they putting that cross out? Okay, I understand that the message might be foolish to you, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I'm not saved by what I've done. I'm saved by what the Lord Jesus did when he came. And there is power. You think there's not, there is such power that there is no sin that you have ever committed that can stand against the power of the cross. Shame can't stand against the power of the cross. It's not foolishness. Oh, those Christians with their crosses. And no, no, I want you to understand the power of the cross will save you. Now look at that scripture in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What do you mean? That he died? No. I proclaim that the Lord, Yeshua, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, I don't ever want to forget. I'm not taking this foolishly. I'm receiving it because it is the message of the power of God that I need. I'm only going to say one more thing, okay? I might take an hour to say, but I'm going to say one more thing, all right? Thank you. I heard that. Thank you. Go ahead, Rika. Thank you. Receiving the Lord's Supper is fellowship. It's fellowship. You say, oh, fellowship. For Christians, church people, fellowship is, it's fried chicken. Can I get an amen? That's what fellowship is. Or pizza, right? I mean, it used to only be fried chicken. I mean, when we grew up, I mean, the number of chickens that were sacrificed in the name of good Christian fellowship, nobody knows that number, but it's in the billions and billions. Fried chicken, fried chicken, fried chicken. Sunday, if you had a picnic, it was fried chicken. That's what we think fellowship is. But fellowship is deep. It is spiritual kinship. It is... It is being knit together as the body of Christ. Fellowship with Christ is not what we sometimes think. Well, just, you know, I know Jesus. I've read the Bible. No. Fellowship is being at the table with Christ. Fellowship. The Bible says in Acts 2.42 that after the church was birthed, okay, they, got, they, they go from 120 to 
5,000 in a hurry, you know, 3,000 in a hurry. And that's a massive crowd. And this is what they did. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the word of God, and fellowship. That's what we're doing right here. Fellowship with one another, praying together, spending time together. Fellowship in the presence of God, in the breaking of bread. What is that? Communion. You don't really disconnect fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And the fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I'm raising your expectations. Some of you say, don't do this, Pastor. People are going to start believing that God actually does miracles. He does. Fellowship. Notice the continuity here. The fellowship. I don't, I don't know where we got off thinking that this wasn't important. I know you think it's important you're here, but somewhere we decided to get together as the church was like, you know, like, are we going to go to a movie tonight? Nah, I don't want to. I don't see anything showing. You see, coming to the house and being together here is a holy thing that the Lord set up. And, you know, Scripture actually suggests that one of the things that the church struggled with, began to struggle with, was forsaking the fellowship. Folks, we need to be together. And one sister, she... Uh, she Facebooked me and said on Facebook, she said, could we just have church every day? And, and I understand that you might have one or two other things that are important to do. But being, in the, being a part of the body and being in the house matters. There's power in this. We need, come on, anybody believe this? This is not one more thing on my agenda. This is massively important healing deliverance freedom happens as the church gathers we need to fellowship we need to break bread we need this and and i want you to get this the lord wants to fellowship with us i did you know that god was really heavy in the fellowship business and that food was regularly a part of it there are many meals that are in the word of God, that we overlook. One of the meals is a meal that took place between a priest named Melchizedek and Abraham. Melchizedek and Abraham. Abraham is the patriarch of, the, of, of all of the Jewish people. In fact, I have been grafted into the vine as well. Through Abraham, all the nations would be blessed. And of course, through Abraham comes the Lord Jesus as well, and all the nations have been blessed. But, but hear me. Melchizedek and Abraham. Abraham was, had left his father's country. He was married uh, to Sarah. They were aged and they had only faith. They were, really, they were really saved by faith. They really were. But the Bible says that there were five kings that made an alliance and came and they fought and Abraham came and fought against them and defeated all five kings and their armies at one time. He took a great spoil. He took from them. In fact, he took what was owned by the king of Sodom. He took it back. And uh, Melchizedek, the king, the Bible says he was, he was king of Jerusalem or king of Salem. 
Uh, anybody heard of Jerusalem? This is before the temple was built. This was before uh, anything had happened there where David had come and taken over the city of Jerusalem. Melchizedek at that time, and people try to figure out who exactly he was. He was not a Levite because Levi had not even been born yet. He wasn't of the priesthood, but he was a priest. He was the high priest of Salem. He comes out and he brings two things and sits down with Abraham. Bread and wine. And says, let's fellowship. And Abraham gives him a tithe of all that he has. What? A tithe? That's not even in the law. Moses hadn't been to the mountain yet. Gives him a tithe of all that he has. And he receives the blessing of the priest of Salem. Salem means peace. Shalom. So he receives the peace of God as they receive the supper. It is a foreshadow of the feast of the Lord. As the Passover feast is, as the manna from heaven is, as all of the feast of the Lord, it is a foreshadow of the blessing of God. How many have ever heard of Passover? Anybody heard of Passover? All right, so Passover is celebrated every year. Uh, according to Scripture, it was set to be celebrated according to Levit Leviticus 23 and 5 on the 14th day of the first month of the Jewish calendar. Uh, at twilight is the Lord's Passover. But Exodus chapter 12 talks about how the Passover was celebrated. The Passover was a fellowship of the family uh, in obedience to God. And here's what happened. They take the blood of the lamb, they put it over the door, and they put it on either doorpost. So it's here, and it's here, and it's here. Does it speak of anything to anybody but me? And a lamb was slaughtered, and its blood was caught. And because the lamb died, and the blood was placed over the house, death, the death angel passed over. Thus it was called the pass over. Does anybody say think that has to do with Jesus? Okay, so when was the Supper of the Lord celebrated? It was celebrated the first time as Jesus and his disciples went to Jerusalem to the upper room and they celebrated the Passover of the Lord. Praise God. Now here's what's interesting also about this fellowship. They would sit together. They would have bread. They would also drink the cup. But they would drink from the cup four times. They called it four cups. The first time they drank it was the cup. Look at this. You're going to like it. Anybody like the word? The cup of sanctification. The cup of affliction. The third, the cup of redemption. And fourth, the cup of consummation or hallel. Hallelujah. Somebody say thank you. Thank you. Now wait. Stay right there. Because today still our Jewish brothers and sisters gather. And as they celebrate the Passover, they will drink four times from the cup. And the first one they will call it. Well, they don't call it this. In fact, they say it this way. The first cup. Our Jewish brothers quote the four cups of the Passover. The first cup is the cup of I will bring you out. The second cup is the cup of I will rid you of your bondage. The third cup is the cup of I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And the fourth cup is I will take you to me for a people. Does that sound like the story of redemption to anybody else? I mean, what amazing fellowship, what, what amazing uh, illustration of what God does in our life. So Jesus is having fellowship with his disciples and they are receiving the cup, commemorating the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. And so here's what happens. That evening, Christ made an announcement. 
since four cups were used at the Passover, and I'm sure they did, each cup was named. Most biblical scholars agree that as Christ took the cup for the third time, which is the cup of I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, he's holding the third cup in his hand, and he stops, and he says, I have a new supper for you. This body, this bread is my body which is poured out. And this cup is the cup of the new covenant. The cup of I will redeem you with my outstretched arm. Praise Jesus. What a feast. This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Luke 22 and 30. Jesus, however, says one other thing and you see it in Matthew 26. He took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them. Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink the fourth cup, this fruit of the vine, from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So the fourth cup, he leaves alone. They don't drink the fourth cup. He got to the third cup. He says, I am your third cup. Fellowship with me and receive the remission of your sins. And they drank the cup in celebration of their ultimate redemption. How many want fellowship with the Lord? Anybody want fellowship with him? Here's the good news. Jesus is going to drink the fourth cup. Do you know when? Come on, John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you as my bride to be with me. And there we will always be. Comfort one another with these words. In, in the Bible goes on to say, in Revelation, he, he says in Revelation chapter 19, the, the scripture says, John says, I heard heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying alleluia okay so the fourth cup is the cup of the hallel the cup of the alleluia i heard everybody shout everybody shout alleluia everybody shout it okay shout thank you go ahead and shout thank you Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God who is our redemption has come and his wife, the bride of Christ, has made herself ready. How do we make ourselves ready? Through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. This is an interesting scripture because here's the fact. Here's my expectation tonight. As you receive the supper of the Lord, you're going to receive it by faith through the word of God with the expectation of deliverance. Now. Healing. Now. Freedom. Now. Wholeness. Anybody want this? Anybody want this? How many know what I'm saying? When I say freedom, I'm saying to you that what God would like to do in your life is greater than your expectation.
But if Jesus was standing here and you would touch him, you wouldn't blink an eye. You would climb through the crowd. But here's what I find. The biggest crowd that you have to get through is yourself. You have a crowd of doubts and a crowd of fears, a crowd of religious bondage. You have so much of that in your life. And you say, well, does Jesus' word really work? Yes. Act on it in faith tonight, and let's see what God will do. But wait, wait, wait. There's one other frightening scripture that's in this. Look again. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks the cup. Examine himself? We don't examine ourselves when we drink the cup. We got to get that juice down, chew up that little piece of styrofoam so we can get out of here and get some real food at whatever restaurant's open on a Sunday night. Oh, no, over here. So hear what I'm saying. We ought to examine ourselves. In fact, if you read that scripture in its entirety, it's rather frightening because it goes on to say, don't drink in an unworthy manner. And here's what he, he goes on to say. In fact, you ought to examine yourself. And then he says some really strange things. There are people that are weak. There are people that are messed up. There are actually some people that died before their time. Now, right there, I just want to throw, I want to just toss the bread and the cup and the trash and get on out the door because there's this fear. Somebody thank God for the grace of Jesus Christ. Somebody thank, thank God because your religious legalism will trap you right there. Amen. And you'll say, but I haven't done everything right. But wait, communion is the time when we remember the cross and we remember what Christ has done for us. Can I show you something that the enemy likes to do with us? You ready? You know, don't judge me. Because Jesus loves me. He died for my sins. It doesn't matter what I do. Where did you read that in the Bible? Did somebody actually read that? Somebody made that up. Because I'll tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says... How is it that you will continue in sin because you believe that grace is so great? God forbid, how can we continue to live in sin? That's what the Bible says. So wait a minute, I'm saved by grace. That's right. Even if you did everything perfectly, you were born into sin and you had to be saved by grace. And now you're shifting into legalism, but I did some wrong things. Come on, where are my sinners at in the house? Got any sinners in the house? Wave at me. I need to see the sinners in the house right now. Come on, praise Jesus, five or six of us, and then a bunch of liars. And uh, anyway, so anyway, hear me, hear me. This is a work of grace. You see, what the enemy wants to do is get you to live in shame. He wants you to live in shame, and God wants to heal you. What do you think the enemy would be doing with your life? If it had not been for the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
How many believe that you might already be gone by now if it had not been for the keeping power of Jesus? Anybody believe that? I would, I would have been over. It would have been done. Say, I went through a sickness, but you got through it. I went through an addiction, but you are alive today. I broke so much of God's word. I mean, I, you know, I broke more word than I think I've ever read. Yes, you probably did. Somebody thank God for his grace and his mercy. Anybody thankful? So here's what we're learning. What we're learning is is I need to examine myself. I'm going to stand before the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to bring things to my mind that he wants to deal with. Can I give you the big one? Because some people immediately go to the big ones. But I would say that most of our sin is a manifestation of brokenness that's inside of us. You would never have been an addict if we could have healed that wound that's in your life. You wouldn't have been caught in relational brokenness If you would have learned that God is your father and that he loves you and to heal that father wound and that brokenness that's in your life. Does that make sense to anybody? Some people immediately, you're just checking off. Well, you know, I've done this and I've done that. God doesn't want to just stop your open sin. He wants to heal your broken heart. You hear me? So when I come to him, I examine myself joyfully. You see this? Anybody get this? Everybody thinks, you know, examination, it's terrible. Let me help you with this, okay? Anybody ever have a, like a regular examination? You know, I, I go to the doctor every year, no matter how I'm feeling. If you go to a doctor and you walk in the door and they look at you and say, you look pretty good to me, get on out of here. Fire them and find another doctor. You want a doctor with a stethoscope. To check your heartbeat. You want, you want a doctor with one of those things that they stick in your mouth and look inside. They, you want a doctor to look in your ears. Maybe a doctor that will do an EKG on occasion. Or maybe a doctor that will ask you some questions. Maybe one that will do some blood tests. When you come into the presence of the Lord, he will reveal to you those areas that he wants to transform in your life. And change you. So today, not only can you be healed, not only are you going to touch Jesus, but you're going to have fellowship with him, and he's going to help you know those things that need to be changed in your life. Can I tell you, among one of the greatest is forgiveness. Somebody shout forgiveness. Say say it, forgiveness, forgiveness. I'll tell you this. Some of you have been assaulted. Some of you have been hurt. Some of you have been wounded in your life. For me... I've had to forgive in areas that I feel like I should not have had to forgive. But if you have to forgive the individual that assaulted you when you were a child, you say, you don't have to forgive that individual. I did. I have to forgive him. You say, you have to? Well, how can I not? The Lord Jesus has forgiven me. I'm not going to be tied to bitterness for the rest of my life. I'm not going to live in that. I'm going to release him. I'm going to put him in the hands of a mighty God who also not only died for me, but also died for the individual that might have hurt you or wounded you. You know what happens when you forgive in that way? God manifests himself and heals you in other ways of your life. Forgive somebody who abandoned you. Forgive somebody that hurt you. Reconcile with somebody that you should be reconciling with. Be healed. Be whole. Be set free.
So tonight we're going to receive the supper of the Lord. Are you ready? Would you come and stand with me? Come on, let's worship the Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We love you. Anybody learn anything about the word tonight? This is powerful. Praise Jesus. Sandy's coming. She's got two plates. Come on. Toya. May I? If, if, if you have to remain in your seat, we'll bring it to you. It's not a problem. We'll bring the supper to you. There you go. Just take some back to these sisters back there, would you? Take some back to them. You, can, you don't have to stand here, but as many as can, come and stand with me. <laughs> Sandy, can I get one more? This one seems to be missing the bread. <laughs> Shaking it up, I see that. (laughs) Just hold those in your hands for a moment. Hold those in your hands just for a moment. Don't eat it, just hold it. You don't have to be a member of the church to receive the supper. This is not to be fearful. It's to be holy. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Come, Holy Spirit, reveal to us the things that we need to know. We are about to receive. Yes, we have more over here. We are about to receive your supper. And before we receive the supper, our expectation is high. We sanctify these articles. We sanctify them in the name of Christ. We are ready spiritually to do what you called us to. We choose to be your disciples. And so the requirement is is that we eat your flesh and drink your blood. And we know only by the supernatural power of heaven is this a possibility. So we praise you. But as the woman who touched the hem of the garments of Christ, so Lord, we now prepare to be, to, to touch you. Our lives are going to be changed. And we're going to long together again and again to receive this supper As often as we can, we want to receive it. We're ready to be reset. Lord, we're ready for a reboot in our life. Chasing things. We've been chasing things that we should not have chased. We have been angry and unforgiving. We have been bitter. We need, Father, to be free. Lord, we know that we are saved. Let's thank Jesus for our salvation. Thank you, Jesus, that we're saved. Somebody thank him. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you saved me. Tell him. Thank you. Tell him out loud. Don't just let me do it for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for salvation. Thank you. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm not what I used to be. I praise you, Lord Jesus. Now, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would reveal to me those things that I need. Now, just receive that. Receive that for a moment. You're changing me, Lord Jesus. You are. You're, you're giving me direction in my life. I reset my life now. I repent. I confess. I follow you, Jesus. I will follow you, Jesus. Wow. It's going to change some things. Listen, it's going to change the way that you respond. It's going to change your heart. It's going to change your attitude. This is going to change. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is this happen? Do you celebrate that? Do you celebrate the Lord is speaking to you? Speak back to him and tell him, Lord, I receive that word. I receive it. I confess. I repent. I choose to follow you. Now, as if Christ was standing right in front of you, hold those sacraments in your hand. Lord, we sanctify these articles for this cause. And as we are born again, so we receive your flesh and your blood. And go ahead and be aware of the areas that you need God to touch you in your body and in your life. Be aware of that. These are the, these are the areas that I'm aware in. But now, Lord, even as I have been saved by you, now I choose to receive this. I choose to be delivered. And I know some of you are going to have to go through a path, but you're, the, the plan is ultimately that anxiety is not going to control your life. Fear is not going to control your life. Yes. On the night Christ was betrayed, he broke bread. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And he gave it to them and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take it and receive it. Take the body. All that is in you, Lord, I receive. The power that's in you, I receive in my life. I receive you, Lord Jesus. The cup of redemption is in your hand. The cup of the new covenant is in your hand. All your sins washed away. All your sins washed away, your life renewed. Somebody praise God that he would even give you the privilege to receive the cup. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All my sins washed away. The enemy defeat is defeated by the blood of Jesus. The attacks that you are having now, Lord, I receive. Jesus said, this is my blood. Pour it out for you. Take and receive it in remembrance of me. Now let's all just give him thanks. You can put that paper on the altar, drop it in the floor. I don't care. We'll pick it up later. But let's take some moments and let's worship him. And let's just let the Holy Spirit just, come on, just receive 
receive his power. Come on, receive his power. Just receive his power. We'll, we'll pick up the trash in a moment. Just we'll receive his power. Take a moment. Just receive his power. I am touched by heaven. Just, just accept that. I am, I am touched by Christ. I am touching Christ. Healing. Deliverance. Blessing. Provision. Strength. Overcoming. Satan is defeated. Satan is defeated. As I receive the supper of the Lord, the enemy, a show is made of him openly. Every demonic attack is broken in the name of Jesus. I am victorious. Fear is under my feet. Fear is gone. I'll not allow fear to control me anymore. Yes, the enemy may try, enemy may try to tempt me, but I am now walking in the power of the flesh and the blood of Jesus. I will proclaim his death until he comes. I'm free. Somebody needs to shout that I'm free. Shout it. I am free. I am free. I have received the deliverance from my bondage. I've deliver, I'm delivered. I am delivered. I am delivered. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Watch, it. Watch what he will do now through you in relationships. It's going to do a work in areas of your life, homes. Thank you, Jesus. Old wounds in your heart that you've not been able to deal with. As you have received the supper of the Lord, you're going to find a path. Here's your struggle now. You're going to struggle being offended. You're going to struggle with offense. You'll be tested, but you're going to struggle with it because Jesus refused to be offended. Jesus, I'm so grateful. Thank you, Lord. I would say, come on, just identify again. I identify with this. I identify with the fellowship. I am free. The blood of Jesus is, has touched my life. My sins are absolutely gone. I have sat at the table with the Lord Jesus. I have touched the hem of his garment. I am free. Praise you, Jesus. Is anybody receiving what we're saying here? Anybody receiving this? Let's worship the Lord Jesus now. Come on, everybody worship him with your hands lifted high. Come on, lift your hands to him. Praise you, Lord Jesus. I'm renewed. I'm refreshed. I'm restored. Come on, I'm renewed. I'm refreshed. I'm restored. Some of you are so emotionally tired right now. I'm refreshed. I'm refreshed. I'm refreshed. That fear doesn't control me anymore. I'm refreshed. I'm renewed. It doesn't control me anymore. The lies that I have believed for years, they are exposed by the wisdom of heaven. The power of heaven now flows inside of me. I will receive. I, come on, I am renewed. All the old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. The word of God is alive. You're bringing things to my remembrance. The power of the Holy Spirit is evident inside of me. 
the power of Christ is flowing in my life. Praise you, Jesus. Now watch, watch, watch. As we drink this drink, my thirst is leaving. He's quenching my thirst. The emptiness is leaving. I have carried this aching in my life for nearly 20 years. And today I say my heart is full. I have been thirsty. My heart has been dry. But today my thirst is quenched. I am redeemed. I am full. I am satisfied. Is anybody receiving this? I know it's it's not like look. I've been here. I pastored this church for all my life. It seems like for thirty years, but never have I delivered the supper of the Lord the way I have delivered it tonight. It is revelation. It is celebration. It is deliverance. It is joy like you've never had. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Listen, the Bible says that after they received the supper, they just sang a hymn and went on to the garden. (laughs) And Jesus poured out his blood for them. But then when the church regathered, they broke bread again. And then whenever they gathered, they would break bread. They would receive the cup. Listen, I don't know about how you're living your life, but can I tell you, this preacher needs restoration. I have to have my cup filled up over and over. Anybody with me on this? You're going to leave this place. You're going to fight the good fight. You're going to be ready for a reset next Sunday. Anybody with me? We've got to stop playing this game. Where would we be if it had not been for his broken body and his shed blood? Would you gather with a few people and pray and bless one another? Would you do that? Put your arms around somebody nearby or take them by the hand. Three or four of you. Get in a circle and look at each other, okay? Jennifer's taking up the trash if you want to pick it up. But get in a small circle. Would you do that? And just pray for one another. It can be a circle of two or three or four or five, whatever. But get in a, just in, invade some space. There you go. Invade the space. I want you to pray for one another. If you have things to talk about and to confess, share those things with one another. And then bless one another. If you have some paper or something, just throw it on the seat or on the floor. Throw it at me, okay? May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Walk in the power of the crucified Lord.